time for Americans to grow up and become financially responsible. Let's talk about something important. If you're in it for the money, that's not a bad thing. Do you realize how much money he just saved us? This is The Financial Physician with Lou Scatigna. The Financial Physician. It's the fastest hour in Money Talk Radio. It's also my pleasure to see to it that decent, hardworking people in this community aren't robbed blind by a pack of money-mad pirates. This is financial advice you can take to the bank. He's your money man. Show me the money. Your source for straightforward, no-nonsense financial advice. Bring me your money questions, because I'm here to help. And now, here he is, the financial physician, America's money doctor, Lou Scatigna. Greetings, friends. How are you? Welcome to this week's edition of The Financial Physician. Lou Scatigna here, certified financial planner and your money doctor each and every Sunday, where we talk politics, we talk uh, markets, we talk money. And we talk about the insanity, which is the world that we live in today. Uh, so great to be back with you after being on vacation the last couple of weeks. Hopefully you enjoyed our pre-recorded show. Paul, thanks for putting it all together for us. Uh, uh, you did a great job and uh, uh, got a lot of good feedback uh, from the programs from the last two weeks. So hopefully listeners uh, endured pre-recorded shows while I was gone. Uh, we're here live and um, uh, so good to be with you. Uh, had a great vacation. Um, a grueling vacation. I'm glad I took this vacation when I was 63, almost next week. This week I'll be 63, uh, and uh, not five years from now. It was just pretty grueling. If anybody's been to Europe, especially uh, Greece, which was I took a 10 day cruise to Greece. We started in Rome, and uh, it's nothing but climbing and walking, and uh, we were walking five miles a day, and m- most of it uphill. <laughs> it was like. I mean, it's for a younger person to do that. So if you go to the Greek islands, I mean, we went to Olympia, we went to Athens, we went to uh, uh, Mykonos, Rhodes, um, Santorini. We went to Malta of all places. I've never been to Malta. It was nice. Uh, Couldn't wait to get home, though, because it was so tiring. Uh, When I got to uh, immigration in here in the U.S., they asked me if I had anything to declare, and I said seven pounds. (laughs) I got to declare, but it's in my belly. I can't show it to you. Uh, uh, yes, we did gain. I gained it. My wife lost three pounds. <laughs> my wife eats like a bird, so all the exercise of walking, she loses weight, and, and I gained uh, a few pounds. So great trip. Great to be back live with you. Uh, uh, I announced last week on, on the show that uh, we are going podcast only uh, very, very soon. So uh, if you're listening to us live on, on, on 92.7 WOBM on Sunday morning, 9 to 7, we got four more live shows, including this one, uh, and then we're going podcast only. Now, uh, uh, many of you have sent me emails and contacted me that uh, uh, most of them are positive. Most of you listen to the podcast anyway. Who wants to listen to me at 7 in the morning on Sunday? But, but many of you do get up and listen to the show live. Uh, and you enjoy doing so, and I, I, you know, I love you for that. Uh, but after thinking it through and, and everything else, I mean, the internet is where uh, where news and, and, and broadcasts like this are going. Uh, I hate to say it, but terrestrial radio uh, is on the way out. And I've been in radio for God twenty five years, uh, and I've seen the changes in it. And you know, I know it's time. It probably was time a year or two ago uh, to go to the podcast only. And there's many successful podcasts out there that I listen to, uh, which is not on terrestrial radio at all. Uh, so hopefully, 
uh, you're all going to join me on the podcast. And the podcast is going to be up. My goal is to have it up at 9 o'clock Sunday mornings, just like Paul puts up the podcast now. So if you're a podcast listener, you're going to see no difference in the program. Well, you'll see some uh, you'll see a few differences. All right. Number one, uh, it may not be exactly two hours. You know, I don't have to follow, you know, a show time clock. Uh, maybe it's an hour and 45 minutes. Maybe it's two hours and 15 minutes. Uh, maybe we'll do uh, 30 minute clips during the week. Uh, uh, there's lots of things we're putting together with the podcast that we're going to work on. Uh, most of the, the podcast is going to be videotaped. So you'll be able to watch it on my Rumble channel. And, you know, we have four weeks to our podcast only, so you got to get into the the routine of, of listening to the podcast. Now, I'm getting uh, calls at my office and, and emails from people who are saying that, you know, I, I'm an older person. I don't know how to use a computer. I'm not really good with my phone. And, well, now's the time to learn. Uh, if there's no other reason, if it's not because you want to see your, your kids and grandkids on Facebook and uh, FaceTime them and, uh, and and go on the Internet with your phone and everything else, this is the number one reason for you now to get into the 21st century. Uh, so if you are older and you don't know how to, to listen to a podcast, uh, get your children to uh, set you up. You got four weeks. Our last show is going to be on June 25th. Uh, that's going to be our last live show, and I, I guess the, after that, it'll be July 2nd, will be our, our first podcast only. So uh, I'm hoping that all the listeners that listen to, and we got, you know, I think the the last numbers I saw in the show, especially in the 8 to 9 o'clock hour, we have about 3,500 to 4,000 listeners that listen live on this program. And I hope you all go to the podcast, and it's so easy to do. Just go to my website which is thefinancialphysician.com. That's all you need to know. Thefinancialphysician.com, it'll have our our podcast link there. It'll have all our videos there. Uh, If you want to follow me on Rumble, because we're going to be doing a lot of uh, uh, videos of... uh, of our podcast and and midweek updates. And uh, if something happens during a week, I'm just going to pop up a video and you want to know about that. So if you go to thefinancialphysician.com, you know, the book pops up where you could download a free copy of uh, The Financial Physician, How to Cure Your Money Problems and Boost Your Financial Health. And so many of you have been downloading the book. That's great. Uh, it's free of charge. Download it. Give it to your kids. Give it to your grandkids. Um, uh, if anybody wants a hard copy, just email me, lou at thefinancialphysician.com, and I'll send you a hard copy. Uh, but the, the the PDF is available. Uh, it's great. It's done very well. Uh, and uh, when you uh, download the book, we ask you for your email address because that's how we get it to you. But once you're on our email list, we notify you whenever there is an update, uh, a new podcast or a video we put up or whatever. So you want to be on the email list so you know what's going on. We don't sell your, your information. We don't sell anything to you. We don't. All we do is let you know what's going on with this show and the podcast. Uh, so you want to be on an email list. Also, you want to go to my Rumble channel. Now, you know, I've been on YouTube for years, uh, and we'll talk maybe later about censorship, what's going on here. Uh, but I've been banned for life from YouTube <laughs> because of some of the things I've said on this program uh, that I've uploaded to YouTube, uh, like maybe questioning the validity of the 2020 election, uh, maybe questioning the efficacy and safety of uh, the COVID vaccine, 
you know, you can't do these things. Uh, and the power that these these um, social media companies have is just amazing. And it's so corrupting to our system. But anyway, I'm banned for life. So I went over to Rumble. Rumble is a more open, uh, free uh, video service. And it's growing by leaps and bounds. And it came about because of the censorship that was going on over at YouTube, Twitter, and other things like that. So if you go to rumble.com, either look up Luz Catigna, S-C-A-T-I-G-N-A, or easier than that, just go look up the financial physician, and you'll see my Rumble channel, and subscribe to it. Uh, so you'll be you'll know when we um, we op- upload videos, and we'll be doing a lot of video stuff. Uh, so I'm very excited about the changeover to podcast only. And again, if you listen to the podcast, you'll notice no difference really, except for the length of the the show, because it doesn't have to be uh, as stringent as a two hour program. Uh, We're going to do things during the week, not just on Sundays, but every Sunday morning at 9 a.m. Eastern time, there will be an upload of the main portion of the podcast for the week. So you'll see no difference. The only difference is I'll be more free to speak my mind. Uh, Not that I don't speak it now, but there's certain things obviously you can't say on the radio uh, that you could say on a private podcast. Uh, and obviously, you know, people who listen to the podcast are going to be like-minded people and not some crazy uh, left-wing lib that just wants to cancel me and complain to YouTube or whatever. Uh, so that's the deal. Uh, we have, uh, counting today, uh, we have four more live programs here on 92.7 WOBM, uh, and then it'll be podcast only at thefinancialphysician.com. So you got four weeks to figure it out. If you're an older person and you don't know how to do it, just ask one of your children, how do I get to listen to this podcast? Uh, and write down thefinancialphysician.com and uh, your technologically savvy children or grandchildren will set you up. Uh, so uh, I'm looking forward to all of you joining me on the podcast. But we still have uh, uh, four more weeks, including today, live here. And I'm going to I'm gonna, we're actually going to cherish it because I've been doing live radio Actually, two years before I joined WOBM, I was on a Trenton station. So I've been doing live radio for 25 years. And and I'm kind of melancholy about the end of that stage of my life uh, because I've I've just really enjoyed coming in every Sunday. It's been such a big part of my life for so long. Uh, And I know for many of you listeners, it's been a big part of your life as well. So it's not going to change. We're going to have a new show Sunday mornings. Every Sunday morning, it'll be up at 9 o'clock at thefinancialphysician.com at our podcast. Uh, we're available at Apple Podcasts, Spotify. You could find us pretty much anywhere there's podcasts, um, at least a big platform for podcasts. And we're going to be expanding that, and we've got lots of great plans uh, for the financial physician uh, on the podcast. All right, let's start talking uh, today about uh, uh, one of the most important things that you need to do when you retire. Now, I see people every single week that come to me uh, for uh, a no-obligation consultation, and it's always available to anybody that want to come in and talk to me about anything, uh, about investing money, about retirement, uh, about estate planning, 
anything money related. I have people come to me, they want to buy a car and they want to know the first thing, how to, how to finance it, or should they use their savings, or should they take money out of their IRA? Uh, I welcome those appointments. I love meeting with our listeners, uh, and uh, come on in, let's talk. And one of the things that people are coming in more than anything right now, uh, besides worried about their bank accounts, which we'll talk about later, uh, is uh, can I retire, Lou, and what does my retirement look like? You know, either two years away, or at least, at least that's my plan. Uh, I'm two years away, or I'm retiring next year, or I'm retiring later this year. Obviously, the longer you wait to plan for retirement, the more difficult it's going to be. You know, you should know at least two to three years before retirement, at least your planned retirement, uh, what's your financial life going to look like? It blows my mind how many people, you know, haven't really done that work. They say, oh, well, I'm going to be uh, 65, you know, in the next year. So that's when I retire because that's when people retire at 65. I can get my Social Security, la, 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 la. Well, it's not that simple. You need to know what your income is going to be, what your expenses are going to be, uh, what your lifestyle is going to be. And by planning that out in advance, uh, obviously, that's the smart thing to do. And that's called financial planning. <laughs> that's why I'm a certified financial planner, uh, is this is what we do. Uh, and within five minutes, maybe less, I could tell you whether or not you can retire and whether or not you're going to retire comfortably or strategies that we should use moving into retirement that will make it better. And one of those things is downsizing. Uh, and, and this is, you know... Uh, I don't want to say it's a contentious issue, but it is a a pretty emotional issue for many people Uh, because most Americans, they're they're, they're half, according to a recent Vanguard research, 80% of Americans over the age of 60 are homeowners and housing wealth accounts for nearly half of their median net worth. So this could mean that, that, that homeowners nearing retirement are sitting on or sleeping on or sleeping in, a significant amount of potential retirement income. And housing decisions are the most important decision you're going to make in retirement. It drives everything. And that's the first question I, I kind of ask. All right, you know, you want to retire in a couple of years. Uh, a, do you have a pension? Uh, most people are un- not fortunate and don't. Uh, how much do you have in your 401k, your IRAs, your savings? Tell me about your home. And that's the most important question to me, especially if you tell me that you don't have a pension, you don't have much in savings or 401k. Now it's all about the home and the housing decisions that are going to drive everything. And your choice of housing is going to determine your lifestyle. And, and if you can lower your housing costs, the more money is going to be available for other things in your life. Now, the key here, too, is to understand uh, the different aspects of what a house is. Uh, And the key is, is it is an asset. But unlike um, financial assets, like a mutual fund or a stock or a bond or something or an annuity or something like that, uh, your asset is a physical asset when you're talking about your home. And a physical asset needs to be fed, And what do I mean by that? Well, it's got to be fed. You're putting money into it all the time. You're putting money into it, obviously, if you're paying a mortgage. 
You're paying property taxes. You're paying homeowner's insurance. You're paying for repairs and upkeep, landscaping, unforeseen expenses, like weather, disaster, you need a new roof. Uh, You're paying for utilities. Uh, It's a monster that needs to be fed. And the key is, is the smaller that monster is, the less feeding is necessary, or at least food is necessary. Now, downsizing only makes sense if you have a lot of equity in your home and you're going to take that equity and you're going to put the money uh, into a house that costs less and free up some capital. So when we look at somebody's housing situation, we have to look at the different asset values. And it's really important to understand and to manage these metrics when we look at this. So the first thing is, what's the estimated home value? Now, when I ask people, you know, what's your home worth? They're like, you know, they, they can't give me a number because nobody knows until you sell your house. And it's a moving target. You know, the real estate market goes up. The real estate market goes down. Uh, at any given day, what's my house worth? And, and, and I often tell people, you know, people look at their financial statements, their brokerage statements and everything. And they, every month to month, they, 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 they get crazy about it going up one, two, three percent, down 3,000, up 3,000. But you don't get a statement on your house every month. Because if you did, it's your biggest asset. It'd probably make you crazy. Imagine if there was a, <coughs> a meter on the wall in your kitchen that keeps changing the value of your house based on what's going on in the market. You could be seeing thousands of dollars up and down every day. It'd make you crazy, right? So I say to people, you know, what's your ballpark for you? What do you think? If you sold your house compared to what other houses are selling in your neighborhood, and it, it all depends on where you live, of course. I mean, if you live in certain areas of the country, you may have a million-dollar house. Uh, if you're living in the interior or, or the south or something, your house may not be worth that much. So location is really important. But what's your estimated home value, all right? So that's the first, what's the, you know, based on the size of your home, the the current value of other homes in your neighborhood, what is being sold, we could fairly estimate what our house is worth. The next value I want to know is what's your equity value? What is an equity value? It's going to be your home value minus any debt you have on it. Do you have a mortgage? Do you have a home equity loan? Well, you take the the estimated home value, you subtract the debt, and that is your home equity value. That's how much money you actually have in that house. I mean, if you have a $400,000 house, but you have a $300,000 mortgage, you have a $100,000 asset. If you have a $400,000 house and you don't have a mortgage on it, obviously you have a $400,000 asset. The next value we look at is property tax value. I mean, what is your house assessed at? Because that's going to determine the property taxes. And that's the variable in housing that we have no control over. Right? Our property taxes. If you have a fixed rate mortgage, you know what your, your interest and principal payment is going to be every month. But you look at the tax situation, which is changing every year in many cases, well, you have no control over that. So your payment can continue to rise year after year based on the property tax value. Uh, and each county in, in the United States has different laws on how often and how much it could change the value of your home. And I never understood this. You know, why? Because I put a pool in my backyard. Should I pay more property taxes? How does that affect anybody? Right? 
Paul's, Paul's nodding. Yeah, I know. Yeah. How about I, I finish my basement and all of a sudden my tax bill goes up. I still have the same square footage of real estate. You know, what difference does it make to the town what I do to my house? I upgrade my kitchen. I, I redo my bathroom. My taxes got to go up. Another value we have to uh, look at is um, the amount that your insurance company will pay to rebuild your home if it's destroyed. This is called the dwelling coverage value, right? So if your house is worth 500000 but you have insurance for 300000 on your house, uh, you, you got a big problem if that house burns down. Uh, so those are four different values that we have to know about that goes into this. Now we have to look at mortgage debt, as I mentioned before. Um, you know, what's your, your mortgage debt? You know, what is the value if you had to pay off your debt tomorrow? Um, what's the total cost of your loan? You know, many people will take a 30-year fixed rate mortgage and will never pay down more than the monthly payment. So they'll have 30 years of interest on on debt. You know, you borrow $300,000 and you figure out the interest, especially nowadays with interest close to 7%, and figure out how much interest you're going to pay over those 30 years. It's multiples of the principal. And that's a big issue, especially on high interest rate uh, mortgages like we're seeing now. So what's the total cost of a mortgage loan? Well, the original principal you borrow plus all the interest you're going to pay. And then let's look at uh, other costs of owning a home. Uh, recurring household expenses. Obviously, the mortgage cost, which is the, the principal and interest. The property taxes, obviously. Uh, if you uh, don't have 20% equity in your home, uh, you're going to pay mortgage insurance. You're going to pay home insurance to insure your home and all personal property in it. Uh, you have the utility costs. You have the cost for internet, TV, garbage. Uh, you may have uh, some optional costs like pool care. Somebody comes and cleans your pool. Somebody uh, does your landscaping, pest control. Maybe you have a security system. Then we have to look at maintenance and repair expenses. You know, air filters, smoke detectors, you know, that kind of stuff. Uh, cleaning gutters, uh, that kind of stuff. And then repair costs, because everything, you know, nothing lasts forever, right? Uh, things wear out, they need fixing, you need a new garage door, uh, you got to fix uh, broken gutters, leaking toilets, uh, and then you have home remodeling and improvements. You know, you could do it yourself. Obviously, you save a lot of, a lot of money, but if you use a contractor... Uh, I just recently remodeled my master bathroom, cost a ton of money. Uh, I don't know how to uh, find a screwdriver in my house, let alone use one. Uh, so <laughs> I could use a screwdriver, Paul, <laughs> but that's about it. And a hammer, but I'll bend the nail usually. I'm not very mechanically inclined. Uh, so I hire people to do this and it costs me more. Uh, uh, so, so housing has a lot of costs and it's the number one cost that we live in. So what does downsizing do for us? It allows us to free up capital. And again, most of the average family's savings is in their home. And by downsizing, you're able to free up that capital and lower the cost of living at the same time. So there's two things that switch here. 
the payments you have for real estate taxes, maybe a mortgage goes away because you sell your house for, for 600000 and you buy a, a house for 300000 all cash and you have n- no mortgage. Uh, the insurance to uh, insure that home from destruction or fire is going to be a lot less than a bigger home. The utilities are going to go down in cost. So all the costs that I just laid out to you become smaller and smaller and smaller, the smaller the house becomes. Now, it used to be uh, that many people would retire uh, and they'd, they'd stay in their home. And they'd wind up, the kids would wind up inheriting it and, and so forth. Well, nowadays that doesn't work. Because so much capital for many people are tied up in their home that, you know, it does nothing for you. I mean, you could have, you know, Social Security and maybe a little bit of interest coming in from your savings uh, and barely be getting by. But meanwhile, you're sleeping in $600,000 box. Well, can we free up that capital? And there's a number of ways of doing it. One way is to sell the home, uh, pull that capital out and buy a place for cash and redeploy the extra. So say you have a house free and clear for six hundred grand. Uh, you sell it. You buy a house for three hundred grand. Number one, uh, you just freed up three hundred grand that you could invest. Even if you get a five percent return on that, that's fifteen thousand a year income, twelve hundred a month or whatever it is. And at the same time, your budget's gone down. So you see how the swing happens. I've seen people save three thousand dollars a month by downsizing, but it's difficult to get some people to make that move. And I'm a financial guy. You know, you come in my office and we talk. I'm not talking about your emotions. I don't care about your kids grow up in this house and you have all these memories. I'm a financial guy, right? And and, and I'm going to tell you financially what works. Now, emotionally, that's a different story, okay? But I'm going to look at the numbers and I'm going to tell you, if we do this, this, and this, you're going to save this much amount of money per month. You're going to live better, so forth and so on. But you got to make that decision. Now, it's hard for people because there's strong emotional ties to a home, especially if you've lived in it a long time. And your kids grew up there, and you love your neighbors, you love your neighborhood, you like to walk to the local uh, grocery store. You, you, it's, it's something you're so used to. The house has been the center of your lives. It's the nest where you raised your family. Uh, and many, t- many times, you know, I'll deal with a widow, you know, who's widowed, and, and I say to her, look, we've got to sell this house with four bedrooms and all the maintenance and all the cost and everything else and downsize. And the tears come. And I understand that. You know, emotional attachments uh, to a home is, is, I understand it. I get it. All right. But, you know, all right, do you want to live as a pauper and have all your money go, go to your house costs and, and, and live very tight? Or you want to free up that capital and live comfortably and not have financial worries. Well, that's my job is to show you the numbers. And I know, you know, you spent many years improving your house, making it exactly the way you want, the landscape, the everything. And then you say, well, you know, I know I have a four bedroom house, but, you know, I have to have these rooms because, you know, my grandkids may stay with me and so forth. Let me tell you something. Your grandkids aren't ever going to come and stay with you. Okay, it doesn't happen. And and many people, even when they downsize to a retirement home, they say, I I need three bedrooms because, you know, what happens when I have guests? You're not going to have guests. Your teenage kids don't want to stay with grandma. Trust me. 
right? Doesn't happen. Uh, and many of my clients told me that, you know, Lou, I got a three bedroom home and it's just me. Uh, and there's storage rooms now because, you know, nobody comes and visits and stays. And that's kind of sad in its own right. So um, here's an example. When my father retired, uh, my, you know, he had a decent pension from work and Social Security, but they had a lot of debt. I don't come from money. My father was a union printer in New York City. My mother was a waitress. I'm the oldest of six kids. All right? Try to make that work to, in today's world, let alone that. But uh, we struggled. My parents always struggled trying to you know, put food on a table for six kids, uh, keeping a roof over our head. Uh, uh, my dad was out of work for three years in the mid-70s. It was an awful time. I remember it very well. Uh, and when my dad retired, they had a first and second mortgage on their house. They had a lot of credit card debt. And, and I sat down with them. I was a financial planner at the time. And I said, Mom and Dad, this is the choice we have. You could stay in this house. You have enough income to pay the bills, but you'll never leave it. All right, because you'll have no money to do anything else. Uh, but if we sell the house, uh, pay off all these mortgages, pay off your credit cards, you're going to have about $60,000 left. We could buy a place in a, one of the small retirement communities uh, here in Ocean County. You'll have no mortgage. You'll cut your taxes by two-thirds. Uh, uh, you'll have no debt, uh, and you'll live comfortably. And that's exactly what we did. And my parents moved to uh, uh, Leisure Village West. We bought a place for 60000 there. Uh, they stayed there for the next 16 years before they passed away. They had the best social life they've ever had. They never had friends in the neighborhood that we lived in. You know, you wave to your neighbors and say hello, but, you know, people are busy when you're working years. You're bringing up your kids. You're going to work. You know, you don't have time for that social kind of thing. And in retirement, it would be the same way for my parents. They would just live in their house, go about their business. But by moving to a retirement community, from a financial standpoint, it was fantastic. And from a social standpoint, it worked. All right. So, you know, I know it's tough for a lot of people uh, to want to leave their house and go through the sales, especially if they're older. You know, I'm too old to move, Lou. I'm just too old. You know, I mean, I don't want to go through, I got 30 years worth of junk in my house. You know, I understand all that. All right. But sometimes it's necessary. Now, say you have a lot of equity in your home and it just doesn't work for you to move. It just doesn't work. You don't want to do it. And, and look, if you do this, if you do a downsizing and you move away from your neighborhood to a retirement community and you're miserable, then it's the wrong thing to do. Right. Uh, You know, you don't want to do something for financial reasons and be miserable if you could avoid it. Well, if you you don't want to be miserable and you think it's the wrong move for you, get a reverse mortgage. All right. That is the solution to the person with a lot of equity that doesn't want to downsize. All right. Let's free up that capital in your home. If we have a mortgage, we could pay it off and have no mortgage payment. Or if we don't have a big mortgage, we could take out a big chunk of cash invest it, and get monthly income. Or we could have uh, the reverse mortgage pay us a monthly, you know, income. You know, the reverse mortgage could send you 2000 a month. Now, I don't want to spend a lot of time on reverse mortgages because it's uh, it could take up a good portion of a show. 
Uh, but I will tell you, there's many misconceptions when it comes to reverse mortgages. Uh, I've used them in my planning, uh, and it's changed changed people's lives in a ways that you couldn't even imagine. I call it a financial magic wand. I really, I, I've had people have a $3,000 a month swing in their life by getting a reverse mortgage. All right. So it's not for everybody, uh, but for certain people in certain situations, it is the answer. Now, I prefer downsizing because I think, you know, it saves the estate, you know, your inheritance and everything else. There's all kinds of complications to it. But if you are hell bent and staying in your neighborhood, staying in your house, but you're struggling financially or you have a mortgage or you have credit card debt or you have a car payment uh, or you just need more income in your life and you don't want to sell, reverse mortgage is something that you should look into. So housing drives everything in retirement. And it's so important that you sit down with a financial advisor before you retire and look at all your options and know exactly what you're going to get into. And that's what I do. I mean, I could tell you in five minutes whether or not you could retire. And many people are surprised when I, more often than not, it's a positive answer, right? More often than not, I say, absolutely, you could retire today if you do this, this, and this. Or I'll have to tell you, look, a couple of weeks ago, I had a client in who wants to retire in the next year or two. I said, no, you can't. You have to wait. Uh, a, because if you work longer, you could delay Social Security longer and get a higher payment, which is a whole other subject. Um, uh, or uh, you're going to have to work. Uh, and 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 they say, okay, all right, I'm going to have to work to 65 or 66 or 67. And nowadays, many people are still relatively young physically and mentally in their 60s. That was different 30 years ago. Um, you know, when my dad retired at 65, I looked at him as an old man. <laughs> you know, at 65, I was 45 at the time, 43. Um, but now that I'm going to be 63 this week, uh, now I have a different view of that. Uh, I don't feel like an old man. Uh, I'm in pretty good shape for my age. I don't have a physical job. Uh, I, that's true too. Uh, but people could work now, and, and people are going to have to work, which is a whole other. <laughs> I could spend a whole show on that. Uh, people are going to have to work forever. Some people, because they have so much debt in their lives, they don't have savings, they don't have a retirement plan, they don't have pensions, uh, and they're going to be working as long as they can breathe. And I feel bad for those people. I really do, and I, I see you. I see you working in the supermarkets and in the Home Depot, and I look at this and I see an eighty-year-old woman. It, it breaks my heart. Just yesterday, I was in my local uh, supermarket and I just saw an old lady, you know, at the cash register, and it, it broke my heart. It always does because that person doesn't want to be there. You know, they're they're on their feet all day. You know, they're they're an old woman, but you know, it's either that or no need. And, and 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 sometimes we can make that stop by looking at their assets, looking at their home, looking at things that we can do to change it. Um, and that's where a financial planner, a real good financial planner, really is worth uh, everything. And uh, I, I, I have no obligation, no cost consultation. You want to come in and discuss your, your retirement or uh, anything that's financial, I welcome you. I love I love meeting with people, and I love solving financial problems. And one of the the best things that I love to do 
is to give people peace of mind. Many times clients will come into my office very worried about their retirement and financial situation, and by the time they leave, uh, they have a totally different attitude because I've shown them how it can work. And one of the things that people always ask me, how do we look compared to other people at our age? And many people are surprised when I tell them, you're in the top 5% of retired people. They're surprised about that. Many times I'll tell the client, especially the wife, uh, uh, and uh, I, I shouldn't be sexist here. I'm not trying to do that. But, but with older women, you know, they, they're really concerned about financial security, especially when they, they feel that they're going to outlive their husband, which is mostly the case, uh, how they're going to be, you know, when they're alone. Uh, so I'm very sensitive to that. Uh, but many times I'll tell my clients, when you put your head on the pillow tonight, realize that you're fine financially and you're going to have a good retirement. And that puts such a smile on their face. They leave. Uh, they have such a totally different attitude. So if you're nearing retirement, you're not sure if um, you can retire, a good financial planner could look at things that you wouldn't even look at and make it work. So uh, feel free to come see me if that's your, your situation. Uh, let's take a break. 732-237-9626 is the phone-in line here if you want to be part of our program. My name is Luz Katigna. Don't go away. I'm Luz Katigna, certified financial planner, author, president of AFM Investments, and the host of The Financial Physician, heard each Sunday morning, 7 to 9, right here on 92.7 WOBM, or anytime at thefinancialphysician.com. Don't let interest rates, inflation, and market volatility keep you awake at night. Come to my Tom's River office for a no-obligation professional diagnosis of your financial health. I'll review your investments, income taxes, and retirement plan. I'll suggest a comprehensive financial and estate plan that will improve your financial health and, most importantly, lower your financial risk during these uncertain times. If you are retired or plan to retire, I will show you strategies designed to increase your income and protect your estate from nursing home costs. Call us at 732-905-8100 and get on the road to a healthy financial future. That's 732-905-8100. Join me Sunday morning, 7 to 9 for The Financial Physician right here on 92.7 WOBM or listen to the podcast at thefinancialphysician.com. Securities transactions through Lee Baldwin and Company, member of FINRA and SIPC, registered investment advisory service to afford Advisory Group. Jersey Shore Septic and Sewer, a family-owned and operated premier septic installation and repair company with more than a decade of experience in the septic services. Jersey Shore Septic and Sewer provides full-service maintenance and cleaning services, pumping septic tanks, repairing broken sewer lines, cleaning of grease tanks for restaurants, as well as real estate septic inspections, repairs, and installations. Phone 732-600-8721 or go to jerseyshoreseptic.com to learn more. Jersey Shore Septic and Sewer, top quality work at the most affordable rates. If you're a small business, your expertise is taking care of customers. Our expertise is saving you time and money. We're the state's New Jersey Business Action Center, NJ Back. Get answers about government resources that can help you grow and thrive. From how to be a vendor with government to your business to finding capital. We've got your back at the back. Call us at 1-800-JERSEY-7. That's 1-800-JERSEY-7. This message sponsored by the New Jersey Business Action Center, the New Jersey Broadcasters Association, and this station. Do you have a home to sell? Do you need to buy a home? Or maybe you would like to consider a career in real estate? Well, you need to contact my brother, Mark Skatigna. He's the broker manager of Coldwell Banker Flanagan Realty on Route 70 in Manchester. Mark has helped so many of my clients with either the sale of their home or to purchase a new home. All of them could not have been happier with his help. What about an exciting new career in real estate? Maybe you're finding you have 
have more time on your hands than you would like to after retiring from your full-time job. And they're also looking to make some extra income. With flexible hours to still enjoy your free time and income that could be limitless, Mark could train you to be as successful as you would like to be and enjoy a rewarding career in real estate. For help with any of your real estate needs, as well as any information on a career in real estate, call my brother Mark Skatigna at Coldwell Banker Flanagan Realty. His number is 732-657-6200. That's 732-657-6200. Mark Skatigna, Coldwell Banker Flanagan Realty. Give him a call. You'll be happy you did. The following is a paid program. Views contained with it do not necessarily reflect those of the staff management or sponsors of Town Square Media. Call the financial physician now at 732-237-9626. Here's Luz Katigna. All right. You miss any of our program, listen to The Financial Physician in its entirety at the podcast at thefinancialphysician.com. Coming July 2nd, that'll be the only way you'll be able to listen to this program as we will be leaving WOBM. Our last show will be June 25th and uh, will be podcast only. Uh, at thefinancialphysician.com or Apple Podcast or Spotify or um, Podomatic where we host our, our show there. Uh, uh, get used to doing that because that's the only way you're going to be able to listen to the program is at thefinancialphysician.com. It will be up Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. and we'll be doing midweek updates and all kinds of good stuff. So you're going to get a lot more material from me uh, once we go internet only uh, and that is going to give us a lot of flexibility. Uh, to talk about things unbridled, uncensored, uh, and um, I think you're going to like Lou Unleashed. If you like the show now, with all the restraints I put on myself, which is not too many, uh, uh, you'll like like the podcast. Uh, I'm sure of that. And that's at thefinancialphysician.com. Now, uh, you know we're we're starting. I don't say we're starting from scratch. We're not. We have a lot of listeners on the podcast, but but I need to grow the podcast, and I'm going to need your help. Meaning that you got to tell people about the podcast. You got to um, send the link to friends. Put it on social media, uh, anywhere you think that uh, could bring more ears to this program. Because we talk about things on a show and, and on a podcast. We're going to talk about things that I can't even talk about on the radio uh, uh, that you're not going to hear elsewhere. Uh, so that's the com. I love your emails too. Uh, uh, anything that you want me to cover on this show or the podcast after uh, July 2nd when we're a podcast only, just let me know and, and I'll I'll do that. Now, you can't call in on the show because it'll be pre-taped, but um, send me emails, you know, send questions on emails. I'm going to do email questions on the show and answer them. Uh, uh, that's Lou at the com. That's our email address, and uh, and uh, the podcast will always be the, the financialphysician.com website is going to be very active. All right, so you're going to want to be part of that. Uh, uh, so let's um, transition. I was talking about housing in the first, and I spent a lot of time on it because it's the most important thing in retirement is your housing choices. All right. Uh, now, one thing I wanted to bring up, but I forgot to bring up in the first thing before we move on, is that there's talk in Congress now of raising the capital gains exclusion rate uh, on the sale of your home. Currently, if you're married, you could have a $500,000 capital gain tax-free. And the way you figure that out is you figure out, well, how much did I pay for my house when I bought it? And then how much money did I spend on improvements over the years? So say, you know, you spent 300000 on the house, you put $100,000 into it over the years with a new basement, you know, a kitchen, a deck in the back, whatever. 
Uh, that's your cost basis. And then you, you know, then the price you sell it for, you minus the cost basis, that's your capital gain. Now, in most markets, uh, if you're married, you're not going to have more than a $500,000 capital gain. Now, if you're single and you sell the house, you only have a 250000 capital gain exclusion. All right. But in many markets in the country right now, especially on the coasts, you know, houses are selling for a million dollars, two million dollars. So that five hundred thousand dollar capital gain exclusion, you know, is not good enough. You know, you're going to pay tons of taxes on on the sale of your home. So in Congress now, it's bipartisan. I, I you know, there's no bill out there yet. I'm just letting you know this, that, that, that there's talk going on in Washington. My sources are telling me that there may be a substantial increase in that. Maybe to a million dollars for married couples, five hundred thousand for an individual. So that's a good thing. Uh, you know, as I said earlier, uh, our home is the the biggest asset that where most of our savings is. Uh, about twenty years ago, they changed the law where uh, you could get a five hundred thousand dollar capital gain exclusion if you're married, two fifty if you're single, uh, and that was a great move. That saved a lot of people's retirements. Uh, and now, after all these years, you know, inflation, you know, obviously plays a role here. Uh, they want to increase that. So that would be a good thing. We'll see if that goes through. And uh, obviously, you'll know here first uh, on the financial position. Now, when I left before vacation, which was three weeks ago, we were talking about the debt ceiling and how it's going to come down to the last minute. Uh, I also stated that my guess is that Republicans will cave because they always do. And that's exactly what happened. Okay, Uh, they try to make it look like this has been a bipartisan thing. No, it's not. Uh, Republicans folded as usual. Kevin McCarthy folded. You know, a couple things happened here. You know, we were trying to get rid of this IRS eighty thousand new um, auditors. Uh, That didn't happen. Out of the eighty billion, they cut one point eight billion. Big deal. All right, what is that? Uh, two, two and a half percent. That's not going to change anything. Uh, and by the way, they didn't li- lift the debt ceiling. They abolished it right now. There is no debt ceiling right now. A debt ceiling is a number, all right? What they actually did is they just said that there will be no debt ceiling until 2025, which means they can spend as much as they have to without any restrictions for the balance of this year and the balance of next year. And some are estimating that's going to be about $4 trillion. Now, going into these negotiations, the Republicans stated they don't want the debt ceiling to go up any more than $1.5 trillion. The, de- the Democrats wanted $4.5 trillion. Well, who won that one out? The Democrats. They're going to be able to spend as much as they want in the next year and a half. So they didn't raise the debt ceiling. They eliminated it. Also, uh, the Republicans wanted a work provision uh, to get Medicare, food stamps, things like that, that you have to spend at least 20 hours a week working or educating yourself towards getting a job. All right. Well, they they raised it a little bit. uh, I think the 54 years from 48 or something like that. Some crazy. I don't know exactly what it is, Uh, but uh, it was nothing. Yeah, his Medicaid and everything else. Uh, wh- why not raise that to sixty-five? Um, so the Republicans folded. Uh, more Democrats voted for the uh, the deal than Republicans did. 
there's some talk on Capitol Hill that the um, the Freedom Caucus, the the right wing Republicans, may call for McCarthy's head uh, on this. Uh, but this is what Washington always does. They're always going to expand the debt because they have to. That's their lifeblood. That's what they live on. All right. So there was no da- doubt in my mind that the debt ceiling was going to be raised. It's been raised, what, 86 times or whatever it is, some crazy, stupid number. There's no debt ceiling. It's just a joke. And it's just a drama that goes on every time. And we never default. It always comes down to a last-minute deal. The Republicans usually lose on that all the time. But they wanted to. It's, we have a uniparty in Washington. All they do is spend money we don't have on all these pet projects and how much is kicked back to them and how much is... Uh, wasted. But um, there was, there was a, an op-ed by Betsy McCaughey uh, in the New York Times this week. And the headline is, Debt Deal Shows Democrats are the Party of Freeloaders. And she goes on to say here that the Democratic Party, which used to brag that it represented working people, is now the party for freeloaders and uber-rich who don't mind supporting that. Uh, and the sticking point was whether or not, as I said, people are allowed to collect government assistance indefinitely to finance their non-working lifestyle. Now, you got to understand that, you know, this safety net of welfare and food stamps is meant to be a temporary thing when people are down and out. It's not meant to be a, per, uh, a, a permanent lifestyle for people. And uh, we're seeing the, the welfare industrial complex, if you will, expanding every single year. And now with this debt ceiling vote, uh, uh, they're going to continue to do so. Um, now, Kevin McCarthy uh, came out and said that government assistance programs are supposed to be temporary, not permanent, and a bridge to independence rather than a lifestyle. Now, of course, the Democrats say, well, you're denying children benefits and disabled and pregnant mothers. Yeah, that's true for part of it. But many people on the government dole are childless adults and they're do-nothings. These are able-bodied people with no dependents that are getting benefits. Democrats like uh, Representative Ro Khanna bashed the work requirement as just cruel, even claiming that it would deprive folks who need the help to put food on a table for their kids. Well, if they're able-bodied, why can't they get a job and do it? So the two parties struck a compromise. Food stamp recipients up to the age of 55 will have to work or participate in work readiness for 20 hours a week. There's an exemption for veterans and the homeless, which simply means that the number, the overall number of recipients are not going to change very much. Medicaid is untouched in the deal. Okay. There's there's no work requirement for that. I guess the Republicans will fight for that some other time. So half of Americans, 156 million of us, get their health insurance through a job. They or someone in their family has to work for it. 
And many stay, many people stay in jobs just for the health insurance. And that's another thing. When people come to me for retirement, you know, if they're not 65, the big issue is, 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 is not only housing, it's, it's, it's really health coverage. And unfortunately, I'm seeing a lot of people in their, their late 50s, early 60s, being let go from companies that they've worked in for 40 years uh, uh, are now facing a, a forced retirement. Uh, and the biggest issue we have is health care costs which obviously have skyrocketed over the years. I mean, for many people, their health insurance premiums more than their mortgage payment. Um, so I say, you got to keep working until you, you at least reach, reach Medicare age. Uh, so why should able-bodied you know, adults who choose not to work be handed free health care? It makes... Uh, it makes the bunch of us that go to work every day, we look like saps. We work for our health insurance. We work for our food on the table, right? But meanwhile, so many able-bodied Americans out there are just staying home. And why not? And the Democratic Party is the party that's always pushed this. They've taken the work ethic that made America great and threw it right out the window. We're teaching people, you know, to start out poor and be on the government dole. And uh, I guess Democrats believe politically that gives them power um, to have more and more people dependent on the government. Oh, by the way, if we we go back in time to 1996, President Clinton uh, signed a 1996 reform that required welfare recipients to work or participate in work readiness. You remember that? Oh, by the way, Joe Biden voted for that back then. And it worked. I mean, I wasn't a big fan of Bill Clinton, but Bill Clinton's administration, they did some things that really were good. And one of them was welfare reform. That reform slashed poverty among single-parent households by a staggering 62% by 2016. Because people now were forced to pull themselves up and get out there and be productive. It was great for the economy. It was great for their household economy. As opposed to getting a check every month for doing nothing. Childhood poverty was slashed by more than 75%. And that proved that the best anti-poverty program for children isn't a handout. It's a working parent. But in recent years, the Democrats have watered down Clinton's reforms making it easy to collect federal handouts worth more than a job would pay them. I know people will tell me that I can't go to work because, you know, if I'm making minimum wage, I'm going to be making less than I'm making now doing nothing. And how could you argue with that rationale? If I'm making 25000 a year is doing nothing between food stamps, welfare, and everything else, and I go back, to, I go to work at Walmart or Home Depot, and I'm going to make 23000 why would I do that? A non-working parent with two kids can get $24,000 or more in federal benefits. 2000 a month. Work doesn't pay. You'd have to make $12 an hour working 40 hours a week to equal that. 
And last year, Democrats pushed for even more. The Build Back Better bill would have made monthly checks to parents, 300 per child, a permanent benefit with no strings. Remember, people were getting 3600 a year per child, 300 a month direct payment into your bank account per child. Well, they wanted to make that permanent. Again, another reason not to go to work. And the only reason why it wasn't made permanent was Senator Joe Manchin. He, 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 he didn't vote for it. Manchin objected to that. There's no work requirement whatsoever. That's what he said. But the Democrats don't want to hear that. There was a representative, Gwen Moore, Democrat from Wisconsin, denounced Manchin's emphasis on so-called dignity of work. She said that's like hearing a fingernail on the chalkboard. That's what the Democrats think, that, 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 that if you go to work and you're productive in society, uh, that that's a bad thing. Now, we're not even talking about the illegal immigrants that are coming in here and immediately getting benefits. Here's a new cell phone. We'll pay your cell phone bill. Oh, by the way, you need health care. We'll take care of that. We'll feed you. We'll house you. I mean, and many of these quote-unquote migrants, that's the new word you use. You don't say illegal aliens or illegals. Again, there's certain words you can't say. The second hour we'll talk about the insanity of the wokeness that we're dealing with now. But uh, I'm calling them illegals who come here uh, and immediately are given benefits. Why not leave Guatemala where you're living in a a tent uh, where you can come to the United States and have everything paid for? I don't blame them. But, you know, millions uh, of these migrants are coming across the southern border, and they're, they're looking for a chance to work. Many of them looking for jobs. They look at America as the opportunity to come to work, and I don't begrudge them that. You just got to go through the proper process to come in. But you take some of these sanctuary cities, you know, uh, New York's Eric Adams, right, and, and other Democratic mayors are offering them free hotel rooms, meal service, health care, legal assistance for up to six months. And then they're going to extend it again. And that's sending uh, these people um, the wrong message. That in the United States, you have two options. Work hard and succeed or mooch off the government. And human nature being what it is, hey, if I don't have to do anything, I don't have to get up in the morning, uh, I'll, I'll take that. And you got many Democratic mayors in dozens of cities across the country that are pushing for guaranteed monthly income for the non-working poor. So you don't have to go to work. We'll give you 2000 a month. They literally want to send checks to people just for breathing. So that's what this is all about. The Democrats are about getting more and more people uh, dependent on government. And uh, and that's what's going to continue to happen because the Republicans will never do anything. I told you they were going to fold. I know it. I've seen this too many times before. Uh, And and I told you it would happen. I told you that there would not be a default. Uh, it's really technically not possible, to be quite honest with you. Uh, the government could pay its debts. It just would have to cut some of its spending until there was a deal. So there was never going to be a default. That was the scare tactic that they wanted to use. 
Uh, but it worked. Like I said, the Republicans caved. Um, they have enough votes. More Democrats voted for the debt ceiling increase than the Republicans in the House and the Senate. What does that tell you? That the Democrats liked it, the Republicans did it. But enough rhinos and enough uh, of the uniparty in Washington. Uh, their lifeblood is cash and debt and to be able to spend money we don't have. Uh, and meanwhile, we have no debt ceiling between now and uh, 2025. And it's most likely that we'll increase the debt by uh, something like $4 trillion. It's never-ending, and it's unsustainable. And, of course, it's going to end badly. Um, but we have no leadership in Washington. All right, top of the hour, 732-237-9626 is the call number if you want to be part of our program. My name's Lou Skatigny. You're listening to The Financial Physician. Don't go away. It's time for Americans to grow up and become financially responsible. Let's talk about something important. If you're in it for the money, that's not a bad thing. Do you realize how much money he just saved us? This is The Financial Physician with Lou Scatigna. The Financial Physician. It's the fastest hour in Money Talk Radio. It's also my pleasure to see to it that decent, hardworking people in this community aren't robbed blind by a pack of money-mad pirates. This is financial advice you can take to the bank. He's your money man. Show me the money. Your source for straightforward, no-nonsense financial advice. Bring me your money questions, because I'm here to help. And now, here he is, the financial physician, America's money doctor, Lou Scatigna. All right, welcome to hour two of this thing of ours that we call the financial physician, where we talk money, markets, politics, and anything that affects your life, anything I feel like talking about, and anything you want me to cover, uh, and uh, you could do that by calling us here at 732-237-9626 if you have anything you want to add to the program, financial question. Uh, always love your participation because there will be no participation uh, after June 25th because we will be going podcast only. Uh, in the next three weeks after this week, uh, we're going to be we'll be here live at 92.7 through... Sunday, June 25th, and then starting July 2nd, we will be podcast only at thefinancialphysician.com, at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podomatic. Um, that's where we're going to be doing the program. So you're going to want to make sure that you know how to get to the podcast, how to, how to download it, and how to listen to it. Now, most people are technologically savvy, and, and, and so many of you already do listen to the podcast, so you're already there. Nothing will change. Uh, but for those of you who depend on WOBM to listen to this program and listen live each and every Sunday, 7 to 9 a.m., you're going to have to f- migrate to the Internet to listen to the program. Uh, and I'm going to keep reiterating that uh, every live show we do to our last show, J- June 25th, because you're going to tune in on Sunday morning and you're going to hear uh, 80s music or, or contemporary music uh, and uh, you will not be hearing this program. All right, so you have to migrate to the internet. Uh, and it's not a problem for most of you because most of you know how to use a computer, a smartphone, a tablet. But for our older listeners, um, and I've had many people call in and say, you know, Lou, I, I don't know how to do that. I'm not technologically savvy. I have a flip phone. I don't even have a regular phone. Well, it's time to move into the 21st century and open up uh, your horizons uh, and have access to the world because the internet is the world right now. Uh, Not to mention you could 
text your grandkids and see pictures on Facebook and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and, and I mentioned this last, last last time. You know, my mother didn't know anything about that or my father. And once they started learning how to use a computer, uh, their whole world opened up to them. Because, you know, if you don't know how to use a computer or a smartphone, uh, you are a victim of the mainstream media. That's where you're going to get your information from. You can only get alternative news on the Internet. You're not going to get it on the mainstream because it's all uh, propaganda. It's all so much of things are omitted, especially if it's anti Biden family. You aren't going to hear it even on Fox. Um, So, you know, you have to go to alternative media sources. And that's why you listen to this program uh, is because we are alternative media. We are not mainstream. We touch on things that you're not going to hear. Uh, on mainstream media anywhere. So you got to move on. So, you know, have your tech-savvy sons and daughters or grandkids set you up where you could uh, um, get on the Internet on a smartphone or a tablet or a computer uh, and learn how. T- it'll open up your horizons in so many different ways. But most importantly, you'll never miss a Financial Physician radio program. So we're here. We'll be live Sunday mornings through June 25th. Uh, that's three weeks from now, and then we'll be internet only. So I look forward to uh, all of you who listen live to, to to go to the podcast. The podcast will be up Sunday morning, 9 o'clock, um, and that'll be the main podcast for the week. Uh, and then during the week, I'll be doing shorter uh, podcasts uh, based on how news breaks and things like that. Now... Uh, on Friday, they announced uh, the uh, May jobs report, uh, which is always a joke. Uh, I don't believe one thing that comes out of this report. Uh, it's totally political, just like everything else that's news right now. Do you realize how corrupt everything is? It's just, I was thinking about it. I was, uh, I was preparing this show, and I think about it every week. But it just, just hit me like a hammer this week. How corrupt Everything is everything. The media, the politicians, government, everything is corrupt. Our education system, the entertainment system, everything is corrupt, including everything the government tells you. Right? Uh, Soviet Union would be proud of how our government lies to us now and how the media, you just might as well call them Pravda. Uh, is does the work of the government. Uh, the economists on Wall Street were expecting uh, uh, only 195,000 jobs to be created. Uh, some, the highest number expected by the Wall Street banks was 225,000. And uh, surprise, surprise, uh, the Department of Labor uh, in May announced, uh, in, in Friday announced that in May, U.S. added a whopping 339,000 jobs, almost double the median estimate and well above the highest forecast. Isn't that magical? Everything is fine. Everything is great. There's so many jobs being created. It's just unbelievable. It's the 12th. It's a 12th beat of expectations in the past 13 months. So 12 out of 13 months have been better than everybody on Wall Street expected. Thank you, Bureau of 
bold on the podcast to be able to finish that. <laughs> Can't do it on radio, but I will finish it. Uh, this smells, as always. Don't trust anything your government tells you. And that's a sad, sad time that we live in. So there's two different kinds of... Uh, there's the establishment survey, and then there's the household survey. What's the difference? The establishment survey is made up. Seasonal adjustments, birth death models, all this kind of stuff. And they can make that number anything they want. And, of course, it's politically expedient to make it much better than it really is. All we hear about every day is major layoffs in corporations around the country. Every day. But, surprisingly... Um, the economy created 333,000 jobs. Hmm, okay. Then there's the household survey. Well, the household survey, that doesn't get any press. All right? The establishment survey is the headline that goes across all the newspapers and everything else. And the Biden administration and Joe Biden comes out and says, see, everything's great. Well, the household survey actually calls households and asks them, did you get a new job? Did you lose a job? Did you get a second job? What's going on? Well, according to the household survey, it tumbled the most since April 22nd as it plunged 310,000 jobs. So if you call people's house and ask them the question, the economy lost 310,000 jobs, but the government's made-up number is gaining 339,000. That's a 640,000 job swing. Which one do you believe? Uh, we've never seen divergences that big between the household survey and the establishment survey. Now, I said this last year. The establishment survey in 2022 had had millions more jobs created, two million more jobs created than a household survey. Uh, but the unemployment rate jumped from 3.4% to 3.7%. That's a huge jump in the unemployment rate, but all these jobs are being created. So tell me, how does the unemployment rate go up significantly? It didn't go up a tenth of a point. It went up three tenths of a point, which is a big move. How does this happen? It's called fudging the numbers. And we'll dig, uh, if you dig deeper into this, um, you'll see how they fudge this. And one reason for the divergence is what they call the birth-death model. I've been talking about this for years on this program. What is the birth-death model? It has nothing to do with people being born or people dying. It has to do with businesses being born and businesses dying. So what the government does is they just, out of thin air, say, you know what? We think uh, 200,000 businesses were created, and since they hired two people for each business, you know, uh, we're just going to say 400,000 Jobs were created. Do we have any proof of that? No. These are not actual jobs, but just merely an assumption. But a Bureau of Labor Statistics as to how many new businesses were created and hired workers. Now, do you really believe that businesses are being opened up in America right now? With the economy contract, with interest rates going up? Do you really believe that? Well, the Bureau of Labor Statistics believes it. Because you know what they added? Out of that 339,000 jobs, 231,000 of them are part of the birth-death model. 
You take that off, and believe me, more companies are dying now than are being birthed. We're actually losing jobs there. Uh, this is just all, it's, it's just all propaganda. Uh, but meanwhile, you look even deeper. Here's another paradox. Despite the blowout payrolls number, in May, both full-time and part-time workers dropped by 220,000 for full-time jobs and 23,000 for part-time jobs. So how does these jobs get created? Oh, by the way, there's a big, big increase in construction jobs. That makes sense. With more, um, in May, construction jobs added 25,000. That makes sense with interest rates close to 7% on mortgages. Yeah, there'll be a hiring spree in construction right now. Uh, so, yeah, believe what you want. Until the election, that's all you're going to hear is how better things are so good. Oh, this should make you feel good. All new U.S. jobs since the COVID crash have gone to foreign-born workers. How'd you hear this one? Yep. Uh, native-born. Well, they don't tell you if that's illegal workers or, or, or just people who've come here and become citizens. Uh, but native-born uh, Americans have less jobs now than before COVID. Uh, and meanwhile, uh, foreign-born workers uh, are getting all the new jobs. Okay. Also, a lot of these um, new jobs are people taking second part-time jobs uh, because their full-time job isn't paying uh, their bills. It's just very frustrating because everything is a lie. Everything's corrupt. You can't believe anything. And that, that's pretty sad uh, when you can't believe anything. But you know what? The mainstream media runs with it. The stock market ran with it. Everything's great. They believe everything they're told. It's just funny. Uh, they don't question it. Uh, let's look at stock markets, uh, financial markets for the week. The Dow Jones Industrial Average up 2.12%. It was up 700 points on Friday based on an unemployment number. Not the household survey. They didn't care about that. It's just the headline establishment survey. Look, and the debt ceiling being pushed through. Uh, that that also helped on Friday. Uh, the Dow had the best day of the year, up 700 points. Yeah, buy stocks. Everything is great. For the year, the, the Dow is only up 1.86%. It's the weakest index uh, of any of them. The S&P 500 up 1.83% for the week, up 11.53% for the year. Look at that. Uh, almost six, seven times more the S&P 500 is up than the Dow. Why is that? Because of five companies that are in the S&P 500. The Apples, the Microsofts, you know, those big tech companies which are having a big rebound year. You take them out. You, there's 500 stocks in the S&P 500. You take five of those stocks out and the S&P's down for the year. Wow. Uh, and that's why a lot of people who have growth mutual funds and, and, and have a lot of different stocks that aren't the big five, how come they say the stock market's up this year when my stocks are down? That's because of the big five tech stocks, uh, which everybody's been pushing in. Now, let's look at the NASDAQ. The NASDAQ, which lost 33% last year, was up 2% for the week, up 26.5% for the year through five months. Now, I believe by the end of the year, this is going to end very badly. 
because the stock market's living in fantasy land right now. Um, but right now, money's flowing into the technology stocks, the big stocks like Facebook and Apple and Microsoft and anything that's artificial intelligence related. That's the big thing now. You remember the dot-com bust? Now all the stocks that are involved with artificial intelligence, which is... I could do a whole other program on that, and I do have a stack on that, which I won't get to today, uh, maybe next week. Uh, let's look at interest rates. The 10-year U.S. Treasury bond uh, interest went up this week, uh, 3.70%. Uh, I was looking at 30-year fixed rate mortgage rates. The average uh, in, in the country right now is 6.72%, you know, pretty close to 7%. Uh, oil prices right around 72, uh, $72 a barrel. Uh, gasoline prices. I was surprised when I got back from Europe on Thursday that, you know, I saw how much gasoline went up, like 20 cents a gallon while I was gone in two weeks. Right now I was driving in, I saw 369 a gallon uh, for gasoline. It looks like as we go through the summer driving season, this is going to go over $4 again. Uh, gold's hanging around just under $2,000 an ounce, 1964. Silver at 2359 and Bitcoin hanging around $27,000 a Bitcoin. So that's financial markets. Uh, I don't. I believe uh, there's going to be an event. I think we're very close to a, a how should I put it, um, an event happening, and I don't know what it is, okay? Uh, I don't know what it is. It's just a gut feeling I have based on, on all the research I've been doing that some very big negative event is going to happen over the summer or into the fall. Something that's going to come out of uh, nowhere. Uh, Maybe it's uh, something out of the Ukrainian war. I mean, you saw it happen last week. I mean, you have drones now going into Moscow and blowing up apartment buildings. I mean, this takes this war to another level. And do you really believe Ukraine has the technology that they could do this without Western's help, that they could bring drones into Moscow to cause that kind of damage? Uh, I don't think so. And I'm sure the Russians don't think so easy. Uh, so either. Uh, this is pretty serious. I don't know if you know about this, but um, NATO, uh, June 12th, I think through the 20th or 22nd, is having the biggest massive air exercise in the history of NATO. Uh, and it's being run by uh, Germany, and it's going to be involved all the NATO countries. Uh, and is this a cover for some kind of attack? I don't know. But this is being ratcheted up in a big way. And I, I think that, you know, if you're Putin, and all of a sudden, you know, in Moscow, the capital of your country... Uh, it starts to be attacked by what you believe is Western supplied technology. What's your response? Maybe attack on Washington, D.C. or the White House or the Pentagon, uh, a tit for tat kind of thing, uh, which how would that play out? Uh, and you have no talk of diplomacy. I mean, it's crazy what's going on. Your Secretary of State, Blinken, uh, has put militarism before diplomacy. 
the U.S. will focus its efforts on arming Ukraine and not attempting to bring the war to a negotiated settlement, Americans' top diplomats said. Secretary of State Anthony Blinken laid out a plan to massively expand Kiev's military before talks begin. In a speech delivered in Finland on Friday, Blinken stated the United States, together with our allies and partners, is firmly committed to supporting Ukraine's defense today, tomorrow, and for as long as it takes. We believe that the prerequisite for meaningful diplomacy and real peace is a stronger Ukraine capable of deterring and defending against future aggression. Blinken dismissed the idea of even a temporary pause in the fighting. They want World War III. Don't you get this? Have you ever seen, in the history of the United States, a war, uh, not even involving Russia, but anywhere, that we didn't try to calm it down, especially when you're talking about nuclear weapons? and the, uh, Russia has the most nuclear weapons in the world. Do you think they're going to allow themselves to be defeated in Ukraine? You're pretty naive if you believe that. Do you believe Putin's going to allow Moscow to be attacked? Do you realize that his political uh, viability is at stake now? I read an article. This may be the downfall of Putin, the attacks on Moscow. The downfall of Putin? Putin's not going to allow this to go on. Now, the question is, is he going to use a tactical nuclear weapon in Kiev, or is he going to use it in some Western capital? I mean, we're living in a very dangerous time right now. But thankfully, we have a president who's uh, vital, strong, have no problem walking. Now, we've all seen uh, uh, Biden fall while giving a speech or leaving a speech to the Air Force Academy. He tripped over a sandbag. Okay. uh, Who put sandbags all over the stage? Uh, uh, Look, I don't want to make fun of this. I really don't. This is a serious thing. Uh, We've all had parents, grandparents, uh, who aged and and had issues, falling down, breaking hips, mental issues. It's a sad thing. And we deal with it as best we can. But when this is the president of the United States, this is a serious, serious issue. How does the rest of the world view America when their leader can't even walk, can't even talk? can't even answer questions, can't campaign, and is running again for president. And you see the bottoms of his shoes. You should never see the bottom of a president of the United States shoes. Now, you remember how uh, the media, Saturday Night Live, used to portray Gerald Ford. He tripped once. He slid going down the steps of Air Force One once. They didn't stop for a year and a half. Every night, Saturday Night Live was always about how feeble Ford was. Do you see that kind of stuff now with Biden falling all over the place, falling upstairs, falling downstairs, falling on the stage, falling on his bike? I mean, he's a fall away from a broken hip and Kamala Harris being your president. And that's the thing. And and they're going to run him again. I mean, how 
do you run this guy again? He can't even make it to the election, it doesn't look like. And uh, if he runs again and, and, and anybody votes for him, they're not voting for him. He's not going to make it to 80. He's going to be 86 at the end of his second term. You're voting for Kamala Harris. And this is the person that, that you want to be president? I mean, it's bad enough that Biden is. Part of the extension of the work you will do is just focused on our young leaders and our young people. But understanding we also then have to be clear about the needs of their parents and their grandparents and their teachers and their communities. Because none of us just live in a silo. Everything is in context. My mother used to, she would give us a hard time sometimes and she would say to us, I don't know what's wrong with you young people. You think you just fell out of a coconut tree? (laughs) You exist in the context of all in which you live and what came before you. So all of this is part of the work of this group. Extraordinary leaders who will help. So that's just one little sound bite. Uh, It's insanity what's going on now. It reminds me of the Soviet Union. You remember the last few leaders of the Soviet Union? It was Brezhnev, Andropov, and then Yeltsin. These were three old men, oligarchs, uh, that weren't running the country. They were just figureheads. Oh, Brezhnev, though, he, he, he was, you know, brought detente. De uh, but, but uh, you know, you look at these old guys that were running, and it, it didn't matter because they always won, uh, and the media always backed them, uh, just like we have now. We are so much like the Soviet Union before its collapse uh, than you realize. And how did the Soviet Union collapse? It collapsed because of their economy. Uh, their economy, we spent them to death. Uh, with uh, the Cold War military spending and so forth. And it collapsed so quickly. Right? Remember how quickly the Soviet Union collapsed and the wall came down in Berlin? Uh, How quick a big country financially can collapse. Uh, And we're in the same place now. Politically especially. uh, Media-wise, free and fair elections, uh, censorship, uh, uh, persecuting political enemies. Uh, these are all the things that happened in the Soviet Union. Uh, but, um, yeah, the president, you know, he just took a trip over a sandbag. Uh, but this is not a joke. I mean, it, this is serious because the rest of the world sees this. And metaphorically, uh, it, it shows uh, weakness of our country. And Democrats really should start thinking long and hard about this. If this is the guy they want to be their nominee. Because he can't do the job now. How is he going to do the job over the next five years? I mean, you think he's going to improve cognitively? You think uh, he's falling down now? He's one fall away from having to resign the presidency. He hits his head. You saw what happened to Mitch McConnell, 80-something years old, right? He fell. Hit his head. He was in a hospital for God knows how long. Uh, he's pretty close to, I guess, retiring soon. The guy's not. You look at uh, Diane Feinstein. You look at John Fetterman. I mean, these, these are the, the, the top people in the Democratic Party. It's crazy. I mean, this is, um, 
it's not going to be long before Biden just face plants himself. And, you know, it's a symbol of the United States. Someone used the word decrepitude. You know, it's one thing to have, you know, a senior senator from California, you know, in a wheelchair and, um, you know, having to, you know, really should have hung it up several years ago. But it's another thing to have the U.S. president lacking the ability to get around easily anymore. Is he going to have a walker soon? Uh, If I was his doctor, I probably would advise it. And I don't say this with any pleasure. I don't. And, and I don't know of any Republican, including Trump and DeSantis, that thought this was anything good. They were all very gracious about it, very concerned. And as I said before, anybody who's dealt with an elderly parent in decline knows uh, that, you know, a loss of capacity, whether it's mental or physical, it's heartbreaking. It's humiliating for them. But this is who the Democrats want to put up for their candidate to run again. Now, uh, uh, I don't know if something's going to happen between now and then, whereas um, he's not going to run. I don't don't know. Uh, There's a long way between now and the election. But, you know, once they nominate him, it's pretty hard turning back if something happens. Oh, by the way, uh, uh, you know, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. is is running against him. He's being totally canceled. Uh, He's uh, been banned by uh, uh, some social media. Instagram has banned his account. Uh, They're not going to have any debates. Of course they're not going to have any debates. How how does a senile 80-something-year-old debate somebody that still has their faculties? It's impossible. But now they're trying to uh, use social media to block him, using mainstream media to block him, not having debates. It's crazy. But that's the state of American politics right now. It's unbelievable. The country's going downhill fast, people. It really is in so many different ways, culturally, socially. Uh, after the break, we'll talk about cultural and social uh, what's the word to use? Deprivation, uh, um, perversion. I don't know what's the right word. Uh, but let's take a quick break. Uh, my name is Lou Scatigna. Don't go away. I'm Lou Scatigna, certified financial planner, author, president of AFM Investments, and the host of The Financial Physician. Heard each Sunday morning, 7 to 9, right here on 92.7 WOBM, or anytime at thefinancialphysician.com. Don't let interest rates, inflation, and market volatility keep you awake at night. Come to my Tom's River office for a no-obligation professional diagnosis of your financial health. I'll review your investments, income taxes, and retirement plan. I'll suggest a comprehensive financial estate plan that will improve your financial health and, most importantly, lower your financial risk during these uncertain times. If you are retired or plan to retire, I will show you strategies designed to increase your income and protect your estate from nursing home costs. Call us at 732-905-8100 and get on the road to a healthy financial future. That's 732-905-8100. Join me Sunday mornings, 7 to 9, for The Financial Physician right here on 92.7 WOBM or listen to the podcast at thefinancialphysician.com. Securities transactions through Lee Baldwin & Company, member of FINRA and SIPC, registered investment advisory service to afford 
Fortitude Advisory Group. Jersey Shore Septic and Sewer, a family-owned and operated premier septic installation and repair company with more than a decade of experience in the septic services. Jersey Shore Septic and Sewer provides full-service maintenance and cleaning services, pumping septic tanks, repairing broken sewer lines, cleaning of grease tanks for restaurants, as well as real estate septic inspections, repairs, and installations. Phone 732-600-8721 or go to jerseyshoreseptic.com to learn more. Jersey Shore Septic and Sewer, top quality work at the most affordable rates. If you're a small business, your expertise is taking care of customers. Our expertise is saving you time and money. We're the state's New Jersey Business Action Center, NJ Back. Get answers about government resources that can help you grow and thrive. From how to be a vendor with government to your business to finding capital. We've got your back at the back. Call us at 1-800-JERSEY-7. That's 1-800-JERSEY-7. This message sponsored by the New Jersey Business Action Center, the New Jersey Broadcasters Association, and this station. Do you have a home to sell? Do you need to buy a home? Or maybe you would like to consider a career in real estate? Well, you need to contact my brother, Mark Skatigna. He's the broker manager of Coldwell Banker Flanagan Realty on Route 70 in Manchester. Mark has helped so many of my clients with either the sale of their home or to purchase a new home. All of them could not have been happier with his help. What about an exciting new career in real estate? Maybe you're finding you have more time on your hands than you would like to after retiring from your full-time job and are also looking to make some extra income. With flexible hours to still enjoy your free time and income that could be limitless, Mark could train you to be as successful as you would like to be and enjoy a rewarding career in real estate. For help with any of your real estate needs, as well as any information on a career in real estate, call my brother Mark Skatigna at Coldwell Banker Flanagan Realty. His number is 732-657-6200. That's 732-657-6200. Mark Skatigna, Coldwell Banker Flanagan Realty. Give him a call. You'll be happy you did. The following is a paid program. Views contained within do not necessarily reflect those of the staff management or sponsors of Town Square Media. Call the financial physician now at 732-237-9626. Here's Luz Katigna. All right, in the home stretch here of our two-hour program, uh, a little over 20 minutes left in the program. It goes so fast here on The Financial Physician. If you're in bed and you're just getting up or you just uh, stumbled upon the show on the parkway going through your radio, you don't want to miss any of The Financial Physician, and you don't have to because you can go to thefinancialphysician.com where I have the podcast of the show. Paul will have it up at 9 a.m. The entire two-hour show is available to you, and you can listen at your leisure uh, during the week, we have past shows and so forth and so on. So uh, it's very easy to listen to the show. And uh, coming July 2nd, it'll be the only way to listen to the show because we're ending the show here on 92.7 WOBM. Our last show is June 25th. So if you're used to listen to us on the radio every Sunday morning, you're going to have to go to the podcast if you want to listen to it. And I, I have lots of plans for the podcast. I'm going to... Uh, be a little bit more free to talk my mind. <laughs> Not that I don't now, but uh, there's so much to talk about that, you know, I can't talk about on public airwaves, but I can on a podcast. Uh, and uh, you're going to want to tune in. We're going to do a number of podcasts during the week, but we'll do our main podcast on Sunday morning. It'll be up at nine o'clock, just like it is now. Uh, that's the com. And again, if you're older and you don't know how to use technology, now's the time to learn. It's not hard to be able to listen to this program. Uh, so it is June, and uh, now June, which is my birthday month, uh, the month of Gemini, uh, is now Pride Month. You got any, got any plans for Pride Month, Paul? 
Any plans? No. You're not going to a, a, a drag party or... Um, Sorry. You're not, you're not dressing up like a woman and... No. I'm going to have to miss it this you're, year. You're not going to a pride parade or... Um, no, no. Well, no pride month. You know, sometimes they throw it right in your face. It's right there to see if you look. A lot of different things. If you put the word pride month together, what's the middle... Starting with D, what does it spell? D-E-M-O-N. <laughs> That's enough, right? Uh, and surely, uh, what we're dealing with now is a lot of it has to do with, um, I, I think the gates of hell have been unleashed. Hell is empty right now because all the demons are here. And I don't say that in hyperbole. I, I really believe that there's a, a battle of good and evil going on right now. Uh, and it's so interesting. You know, you know, it used to be gay pride, you know, gay pride month, right? You know, because, and, and I, I was all for that because, you know, my best friend growing up was gay. You know, I have no problem with gay people at all. I never did. Uh, uh, and it used to be that, that that gays would be in the closet, if you remember the old saying. The, you know, they, they would be gay, but they would never talk about it and didn't want anybody to know about it. And that was a shame. And that, that caused a lot of stress psychologically for a lot of people. And uh, I'm very sympathetic to that. Uh, but somehow uh, the Gay Pride Month has been corrupted into something more it's not just gay it's lgbtq they're starting to use hieroglyphics now because they're running out of of letters i didn't even know there is so many different sexual i would say deviancies but uh proclivities gender and everything else uh so now it's not gay pride month it's every weird sexual thing that you could possibly think of uh and I don't know why they have to have Gay Pride Month because it's Gay Pride Year. After year, 24-7 is this transgender stuff. Uh, and I say Gay Pride Month. I meant Pride Month because you got to take the gay out of it because that's the least important part of it now. It's the transgender agenda that we have to deal with. Now, I'm going to go through some of these articles. I just want to read the headlines first. Okay? Then we'll go dive deeper into this. Oh, by the way, why is there Pride Month? for all these different sexual craziness. Uh, but last week we had Memorial Day. The day we, we remember the millions of American soldiers who have died in various wars over our history to bring us freedom in the country that we have now. That's good for one day. But we have to have an entire month of this gender stuff going on and as i said it's 24 7 every month anyway uh so why do we need in a month i don't know but let's listen to some of these headlines and there's hundreds of them i and i'm not just cherry picking the worst i mean these are these are the ones uh chicago pride event will feature drag dress up and makeovers for children sponsored by lululemon luluma uh here's another co- company that's going to go broke very soon uh, Disneyland hires a man in a dress to greet little girls at Bibbidi Bobbidi Boutique. So you got to see this guy, by the way, the picture. Unbelievable. Uh, complete collapse. Bud Light suffers worst week ever uh, and loses um, a Mexican competitor now poised to surpass woke company as world's number one. New Hampshire school district using 4000 in COVID relief funds to pay for a high school drag show. Glamour magazine features pregnant transgender quote unquote man on cover for Pride Month. 
Uh, J.P. Morgan downgrades, downgrades Target as retailer suffers longest losing streak in 23 years after trans-Satanist children's clothing line fails to impress. Satanist. Remember that word. Oh, here's another craziness. Uh, CNN writes a glowing article on women marrying themselves as symbolic expression of self-love. Did you hear about this, Paul? Women are marrying themselves. That's What do you call that? There's a word for that. Well, they have it in the article here. It's called solo... Uh, uh, we'll, we'll dive deeper into that in a second. U.S. embassies around the world fly pride flag. Trump had done away with that. Now that's back. Right on the same pole as the United States uh, flag. Sick. Southern California high school teacher gives students explicit, explicit instructions on how to have orgasm while engaging in anal sex. That's what they're teaching our kids. Uh, L.A. police launch hate crime investigation after LGBTQ flag burned at Southern California Elementary School. Coal stock sinks 12% after promoting trans-themed clothes for three-month-old babies. I mean, really. I mean, this is what we're talking about here. Uh, where do we start? I can't believe these companies, what they're doing to destroy themselves. As a stockbroker, financial advisor for 40 years in this business, I've never seen public companies commit suicide like these companies are doing, destroying the value of their uh, their shareholders' Investments. It's just nuts. Clothing retailer store Kohl's has joined Target and Bud Light as the latest company to be boycotted by conservatives. No, they're not being boycotted by conservatives. They're being boycotted by sane people. Not insane people. So uh, Kohl's received a major backlash after it was discovered that the company was selling transgender-themed clothing for three-month-year-old babies. So in case you need clothes for your gay or trans three-month-old, Kohl's has you covered. Company stock plummeted 10% last week. Ridiculous. Three-month-old. Satanist who designed Target's pride merchandise warns against danger of rainbow capitalism. Right? So this guy who uh, designed this clothing that Target was carrying, all right, is a satanic transgender designer. He has a website where he openly talks about Satanism. Um, So Target launched its Pride Month campaigns, uh, introducing this clothing line, uh, which basically... What do they call these things? Uh, what, do, what do you call it, Paul? When you, women wear this thing so their breasts get pushed against their chest so that it looks like they don't have breasts uh, and, and, and stuff like that. Rainbow clothing and all that kind of stuff. So obviously, uh, not conservatives. They, of course, every conservative was against it. But, you know, rational-minded people uh, thought this was not the way to go. And, of course, shareholders uh, of the stock sold it off because now people are boycotting Target. 
So Target removed some of its pride items from store shelves, including tuck-friendly swimsuits, chest binders, that's what they call it, gender-fluid mugs, queer all-year calendars, books for children aged 2 to 9, titled Bye Bye Binary, Pride 123, I'm Not a Girl, and products by the satanic Ab Pralin brand created by Carnell following massive backlash last week. Uh, so Target had to do this because their shares were getting killed. They were down like 11 straight days. Never happened before in the company's history. So Target CEO Brian Cornell sent out a memo company-wide mem- uh, uh, company on May 24th, noting one of the hardest parts about removing the merchandise was estimating the extent that would have an effect on the well-being and psychological safety of the LGBTQ community. We stand with you now. We'll continue to do so, not just during Pride Month, but each and every day, he said. All right, so this is what the, the fine line that these companies now have to, to, to do, because if they do anything about it, like Bud Light, you know, tried to backtrack. They got rid of the woman who hired this transvestite guy, whatever, Mulvaney. So now the LGBT community is now against them, and everybody else is against them, too, so they don't know what to do. Uh, On Thursday, J.P. Morgan downrated the outlook for Target as the retailer continues to suffer through its longest losing streak in 23 years. Uh, How much is the stock down? I don't know. A lot. Um. Again, why would companies do this to themselves? And I don't know why. Where's the shareholder lawsuits against all these companies? I don't know. Uh, Again, the sell-off in Bud Light continues. Bud Light got hit with their most devastating news yet, according to a new report. According to the data provided by the New York Post Tuesday, sales for Bud Light are so catastrophic that they're on the verge of losing their status as the world's number one bear brand to a Mexican competitor. Latest numbers show Bud Light sales tumbled nearly 26%. Do you know how much of a decline in sales of Bud Light, the number one selling beer in the world, 26% decline is? It's outrageous. It's crazy. But these companies just keep getting in line. Lululemon, Kohl's, Target. They just keep doing it. I don't know why. The majority of people and their customers don't want this. I don't know. There is a documentary out now on the internet by a guy named Matt Walsh. And Elon Musk is promoting it on Twitter. It's free of charge on Twitter for 24 hours. I think it's still there. I listened to it last night. I watched it. It's a documentary, and it's titled, What is a Woman? And he's basically trying to figure out this whole trans thing, and he's, he's asking people, what is a woman? And nobody will actually answer the question. Uh, and he goes on to... Um, asked uh, professors uh, and, and transgender activists. And, and, and this is an example of what, um, of what the answer to this question is. And it's a simple question of, of, of what is a woman. Uh, but listen to what this woman, she's a professor, listen to her. She has blue hair, by the way. Male gametes, that's what makes me male. No, your, your sperm don't make you male. Then what does? It's a constellation. In reality, in truth, okay? Whose truth are we talking about? The same truth that says we're sitting in this room right now, you and I. No, you're not listening. 
if I if I see a chicken laying eggs and I say that's a female chicken laying eggs, did I assign female or am I just observing a physical reality that's happening in the world? Does a chicken have gender identity? Does a chicken cry? Well, Does chi- a chicken commit suicide? Let's frame it because you're talking. You're trying. Well, chicken to, has sex like any like any biological organism. Chicken has an assigned gender, but a chicken doesn't have a gender identity. So we assign female to chickens when they lay eggs. That's a, we that's, assume they're female if they lay eggs. That's how crazy these people are. I mean, this is an insanity. Um, and of course, you know, they have on this on this um, documentary. It's, a, it's an hour and thirty nine minutes long. And I watched the whole thing. Again, it's called What is a Woman? And they have female uh, athletes in high school and college lamenting, you know, running against these males and losing every time. The first race that I competed against a transgender athlete was during my freshman year. And once the gun went off, the two transgender athletes took off flying and left all of us girls in the dust. Throughout all four years of high school, I was forced to compete against biological males. I only competed against them in sprinting events, but I raced against these athletes over a dozen times throughout the years, and every single time I lost. Did did they inch you out of medals that you would have won otherwise, or trophies you would have won? They beat me out by 20 meters out of medals, and qualifying spots, I missed out on qualifying for New England's, I had, I had to go in the long jump and the 4 by 200 meter relay, so I was forced on the sidelines in my own event, and if they were not there, I would have been able to qualify. So I missed out on so much throughout my high school career. Did they win all the events or almost all the events? Between the two of them, they won every single event they competed in. How does that, how does that feel? It is so frustrating and heartbreaking because we elite female athletes train so hard to shave just fractions of a second off of our time and going into races knowing that we will never be able to win feels like all that work gone to waste it does after so many losses it just gets to the point of why am i even doing this so don't you feel bad for for these people i mean if i had a daughter in school um i would be um totally disturbed and my daughter, you know how much, you know, women's rights and, 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 and Title IX or whatever they called it in school, they get women's sports and everything going. It's being destroyed. Where is the women in this country? There's some that are standing up to this, but most are not. Everything that women have worked for is being usurped uh, by these trans people. They can't win against the men, so they call themselves a woman, a woman, and, and run against the girls and win. Now, listen to this trans activist who says this isn't true, that trans don't have any advantage. Case in Connecticut, there were two male track runners, transition. trans girls. Right. And who, who decided that um, they were going to race against the girls. And... You look at the, those individuals, you look at their times against the men, against the boys, and so they were kind of middle of the pack. And then they're racing the girls, so they're, you know, first and second place. Is that indicative of some kind of unfair advantage that those individuals might have against the girls? No, it's not indicative of an unfair advantage. And I think part of the proof of this is... By the way, this is a guy speaking, um, not a girl. 
that more transgender girls are coming out in high school and still playing sports and they're not winning. You know, the Connecticut case is the exception. Um, it got a lot of attention because those two trans girls performed well, but there are many, many yeah. more trans girls competing in sports and they don't excel. Yeah, because at the we... end of the day, whether yeah. or not you win a game is not just, is about how hard you work in your practice and most of us aren't going to win. And that goes for transgender athletes too. All right, so that's a lie, obviously, that there's no advantage there. Um, uh, let's um, let's listen to, uh, again, the questions asked. It's very simple, though. The title of the documentary is, What is a Woman? And, and because nobody can answer it. So we're going on this journey. Boys can be girls, girls can be boys. Men can be women, women can be men. It makes me wonder, what, what is a woman? What is a woman? A woman is someone who claims that as their identity. It could be many things to many people. I think the question really brings up the, the fact that it is pretty relative, right? That if you ask women across race, across identities, across class, um, across culture, um, you will get a different answer. Some of it is, you know, based on biology. Some of it is based on hormones. Some of it is based on what you wear and, and how you present yourself. A woman is not anything in particular. It's not, there's no one particular thing. There is not one particular thing. A woman is someone who says that she is a woman and transitions to be a who woman. Who says that she's what? Can you define the word woman without using the word woman? And that's actually kind of like, it's a curious question, um, but I... We've been journeying across the country asking people this question, and almost nobody can answer it. Uh, what is a woman? What is a woman? Marry one and find out. Mm-hmm. So I should go home and ask my wife, I guess. Yeah. So he goes home and he sees his wife. ask you something. Uh-huh. What is a woman? An adult human female who needs help opening this. <laughs> That's his wife. Finally answers the question. And that was the end of the documentary, pretty much. But, you know, it, it wasn't just there. You remember Supreme Court Justice uh, Brown? She was in uh, her hearing. Provide a definition for the word woman. Can I provide a definition? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I can't. You can't?
watched as our taxpayer-funded institutions permitted a biological man to compete and beat a biological woman in the NCAA swimming championships. What message do you think this sends to girls who aspire to compete and win in sports at the highest level? So this was this is your new Supreme Court justice. Nobody watch the documentary. You got to go on the internet. What is a woman? Watch it. It's insane. If you don't li- think we're living in insane times, evil times, uh, you better wake up because it's a battle, my friends. Insanity. Uh, there it is. Arizona music could go so fast here on the Financial Physician. It's the fastest two hours. And talk radio. Thanks so much for joining us. Remember the website, thefinancialphysician.com, where we have the entire show podcast available to you. You don't want to miss a minute of the program. And starting July 2nd, you'll only get the show on the podcast, so get used to listening to it. My email address is lou at thefinancialphysician.com. My office number, if you want to come in for a financial consultation, 732-905-8100. Have a wonderful week, and join me next Sunday for the next edition of The Financial Physician.